are listening to episode 211 of the Confident Coaches Podcast, the one where we're going to do a little marketing swappy swappy today. Get your pens and papers out. Let's go. Welcome to the Confident Coaches Podcast, a place for creating the self-confidence you need to do your best work as a life coach. If you want to bring more boldness, more resilience, and more joy to your work, this is the place for you. I'm your host, Amy Latta. Let's dive in. So before we dive into me going through what these marketing swaps even are, the downloadable guide that I created for you, which I actually created after I recorded this episode, this is a little add-on that I'm recording while in Hawaii, I actually included more marketing swaps. I organize them by marketing activity and they have a much fuller explanation than what you're going to hear here. So listen to this. Start understanding what kind of thing we're talking about, but make sure you download that guide for all of the full details that I know you're going to want to have. Hi friend, how are you? I cannot lie. I'm pretty fabulous because I am recording this podcast episode about eight, nine hours before I board a plane for Hawaii. And can that possibly be a bad thing? I don't think so. Except for the fact that I know, I know sleep isn't coming my way. That's a fun, a fun little ADHD anxiety thing for you. But that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about something. I hope you find this fun. Because when I start talking to people about the patriarchy in your marketing, the need to become more feminist in your marketing, I'm either met with just flat out like, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, or maybe a little glazed eyes, or maybe what happens most often is anticipation with a lot of anxiety. Like, yes, but I have no idea where to start, where to go. So I hope, it is my goal, that by the end of this episode, you're going to see this isn't nearly as hard as you might be making this or think that it is, nor is it as self-righteous and sanctimonious, possibly. (laughs) Yeah, I see you. Don't worry. I know the reputation. I was joking with somebody this week. I've been interviewed for a couple of podcasts and I'm going to be in a summit coming up. And so I've had quite a bit of interviews where I've been the one being interviewed. I was joking with somebody that, you know, we can forget. By the way, this is a, this is a great marketing. uh, This is just a great thing to remember for anybody. We forget that like we're so immersed in this work that we forget that like nine times out of 10, most people haven't even heard of what we're talking about. And a lot of people might have an assumption about what we're talking about. And it's rarely the correct assumption. And so (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I have to remember that to the general public, anti-patriarchy feminism is hate your husband, hate your dad, and hate all men, angry woman burning bras. <laughs> First of all, these babies cannot go without one. But second of all, <laughs> it's not even remotely true. 
the way that we're going to, the way that this can be, be a fun thing, because this is all about feminist marketing swaps. I'm going to be sharing with you simple swaps, simple switcheroos that you can make in your marketing that take what you're doing and make it less patriarchal. And the reason that this is so important is that so many empowerment movements for women are not much more than patriarchy dressed up in a dress and some nice heels and red lipstick. That they're still relying on traditional, male-dominated, patriarchal ways of doing business. And all of those things are not necessarily, they're not all synonymous. I want to be really, really clear that not all of those things are each individual thing. There's traditional marketing, you've got male-dominated marketing, you've got patriarchal marketing. It's not all the same thing, okay? But this idea of, you know, and I've had many episodes on this. And so if you're brand new to me and you're like, what is she talking about patriarchy in business, right? Like, what, what does that mean? I have many episodes where I have touched on this. All you got to do is search my podcast and search for patriarchy. You will find them. What we're talking about is the idea that there's only room for one at the top, that there's only one definition for success, and it's the people at the top that define what that definition is, and that's the only goal worth shooting for. And if you aren't there first, then, you know, as long as there are people ahead of you, you must be behind this kind of idea that if you're not, you know, if, if it's not a hundred, it might as well be zero, Right. And this idea that the people at the top dictate what the rest of us can and cannot do. That's all patriarchal thinking, right? So when you are questioning whether or not something is for you because you aren't sure you um, have enough experience, you're credentialed enough, you're pretty enough, you're smart enough, enough enough, that's, that is patriarchal thinking. And it, and it makes sense that you default that way because we as a society default that way. It's embedded in all of our structures. I got to do is, you know, watch TV, watch the plot of any TV show, <laughs> watch Succession, you know, watch Fall of the House of Usher, watch The Last Kingdom, uh, you know, watch anything. And this is so embedded in what qualifies as success. And if you choose something else, you're, you are on the outside. You're the weirdo, right? You're the people that you're the, you're the joke, like you're the joke in the comedy skit, right? Like think about any episodes of a situational comedy. Anyone not pursuing that traditional thing is typically seen as like, they're the, they're, they're the joke of the episode. That's how this is so embedded in our thinking that we just don't stop to question it. And I love all of the people out there telling women, you can do what you want, step out there, you know, go get what you were destined to get. But in most of those rooms, not all, please do not take anything I'm saying is all people do this. That is not at all. We are generalizing because that's, that's not the conversation of this specific episode. This specific episode is how can you spot it and how can you easily swap it out? The, you know, the sociology behind it, I've had 
so many episodes before that, before now, and I probably will have so many episodes after this. But the going, the going rate, the primary thing that people seem to flock to because they're using so many of the tactics I'm going to talk about in here and that we're going to swap out. People are drawn to that and compelled to that because they're using tactics on purpose. That is not feminist marketing. Okay. And I want to be, we've, I've talked a lot about you know, uh, shady business practices before. That's an episode I've done before. I've talked a lot about patriarchy. What I haven't talked a ton about is what do, what goes in its place. And I started putting this work together because I had a hard time finding people. I found lots of people who called out shitty business practices. I found tons of people who gave tons of examples of things we shouldn't be doing but I, it was much harder to find examples of things that we might want to consider. And before I go into this, I think it's really important. You do not have to agree with everything I share here. You don't have to. Listen, there's some things I'm going to share here that I didn't, like, I didn't jibe with the first time around because it was so pervasive this idea that, but everybody's doing it. So how can it not be okay? Well, a lot of people do a lot of things that once we really look at it through a different lens, we might question, do I want to keep doing that? So that's what I also want you to consider here. So you do not have to adopt everything in this episode. You do not have to agree with everything I share in this episode, but I do hope through the course of these examples that I'm going to give you, it just challenges the thinking in your mind. And why do we do these things? Why, you know, if there's something that you want to hold on to that I'm saying, hey, here's an idea you might want to let go of. I think the best thing that that, that helped me was to say, why do I want to hold on to this? What do I think is going to happen if I do something different? And do I like my reasons for that? You might like your reasons for that. First of all, I want to be really stinking clear. One of the biggest feminist marketing, feminist business swaps that I've done on this side of the table is you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to do everything that I say. Anybody who's telling you that does not have your best interest in mind because there's no way anybody knows exactly what someone else should do. I landed on this phrasing as I was brainstorming all kinds of things. I'm having to rewrite all of my marketing for my, we're moving everything over to Kajabi. And I got to submit all that stuff to my person, right? So he can set up the pages. And I landed on this. This isn't like the new name of the podcast or anything, but I landed on this idea of like how to be an entrepreneur, right? If I'm telling you what you should and should not do, and if any business coach is telling you do this, not that, then they're not teaching you how to be an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur doesn't rely on other people to tell them what to do. They certainly have guidance. Sure. They, they absolutely will, will rely on, you know, seek out those conversations and mentors and business coaches who help them get better in areas where they may be lacking 
Yes. But an entrepreneur at heart is somebody who figures shit out on their own. So of course I don't want you to just like sop up everything that I say with a biscuit. I want it to challenge your thinking, but I want you to be empowered to make your own decisions. Okay, I I got a little soapboxy there. You know I love you. (laughs) You know I love you. Stay with me here. So, so much of what we do see in online business, and we see this in traditional business too, like, you know, television ads and, and radio ads, a lot of it is what we would call extractive or depleting. And the idea there is we are attempting to get out of you and we are not as concerned with whether or not you are better off after our transaction is over. That's what we mean by extractive and depleting. Yes, we might be serving from the heart. And this is where like our minds will be like, if I really believe that the work that I'm doing is transformative and heart-centered, how can it possibly also be extractive and depleting? <laughs> I have so much to say about that right there. That That's, that's patriarchy dressed up that that's patriarchy wearing a dress right there, right? Like heart-centered, transformative work. Oh, I went through so many examples in that shady business practice, but we see this all the time. By the way, I'm also recording this the week that the Twin Flames docu-series dropped on both Amazon Prime and Netflix. There's a perfect example of heart-centered, transformative work being extractive and depleting to the extreme, right? Let's be really, really clear. And if this is not a breakdown of that series, but you know, it's people who have started a, a business to help you find your twin flame or your, um, I've already forgotten the lingo of it because I was so walk, watching and shock horror, but basically helping people find love and fall in love again and get married. That's basically what they're doing. They use all of this like manifesty heart-centered language, but it's awful. Like, you, it doesn't matter if they think you're a twin flame, you should keep pursuing them. The people who have done this work have found themselves, you know, with restraining orders. The, 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 the lead coaches are, you know, rewarding you for a relationship that may not be good for you, but it looks good for them. That's what we mean by extractive and depleting is we're more concerned by forcing the transformation on you so that you get the result so that we can say it's a success. And here's the thing, your intention can be good. And also, when you think people can't have this without me, they, they, they can't do this without me, and we're going to get into some of the language and when we get into the feminist marketing swaps, and we use some of these tactics, we might be selling transformative work to somebody that, that we're not a match. It's not a match. It's not, it is not going to leave them better off. And a lot of what we see in online business is so focused about the revenue goals, the top sales, being the example that's, that's put up on stage, um, you know, being the person that's featured that we use the language of transformative heart-centered work to justify some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. So 
a lot of this is psychological manipulation to get people interested in and get them buying. One of my favorite classes in, um, I have a, you know, a bachelor's degree in business administration and my concentration was in marketing. And my favorite class was consumer behavior. Why do people buy what they buy? And of course we were start, we were studying the psychology, you know, in group, out group, cultural influence, word of mouth, you know, just kind of like what makes people tick in terms of being a consumer because knowing that information, do you see how that can be a, that could be information used for good or evil, right? Like it's good information to know. And also there is a line that people can cross. And if it's not well-defined, you are using that information against people, right? You are capitalizing on that information and manipulating that information in order to get people to buy as opposed to just truly understanding how to have a conversation with somebody because you understand, you know, how they think and what their values are. And instead of making sure your values match, you use those values against them. You see? Yes. So interesting. We're talking about like priming people to buy, you know, in in an attempt to purposefully override their prefrontal cortex, to override their conscious decision-making so that they end up buying out of, you know, emotional need. And the bottom line, we just don't want to do this to our clients. This isn't an infomercial or a product display. This is life changing work that we're doing. We are, we're, we are service providers and, you know, it's, it's, it can be at a low investment. It can be in high investment, but let's treat it with the value that it deserves. Right. You know, and again, I've brought up late stage capitalism before we've talked about capitalism a little bit on the podcast, you know, capitalism at its heart is a depleting and extractive idea because its focus is on profits at all costs, including the expense of both the consumer purchasing and the workers supplying. Also this week, the Screen Actors Guild finally got a settlement right after, you know, a couple weeks coming a couple weeks off or, off the Writers Guild. And, you know, there are other places on strike right now, other communities that are on strike right now. That is what we're talking about because they are working for capitalist focused entities and the worker. Not only are we being depleted by being asked to pay higher, higher prices for things, the worker is being asked to get paid less in order to produce those things. So let's not participate in that. Let's not do that. Let's not drain the shit out of you and drain the shit out of them just so we can have record sales this year. The funny thing is so many people are like, it's just not as sexy to not manipulate people. And it's not that they think that it's not sexy to manipulate people. But when I start to share some of the things that are coming in these swaps, you're going to be like, the other thing doesn't quite feel as Ah, sexy. And I'm like, yeah, because act now, but while supplies last, be there or miss out. We've decided that that's flashy and that's sexy. And hey, I'm here when you need me isn't as sexy. But I totally challenge that. We need to turn what's sexy on its head. I'm not buying it anymore. I am not buying that taking care of our customers is less sexy. I am not buying that not hitting record sales 
but creating a devoted, loyal fan base who feels nurtured and taken care of over the long haul, I'm not buying that one's the record sales is sexier than the other. I'm just not buying it anymore. I think we've been sold a lie and I want that lie. No, mm -mm. stops. <laughs> it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people who really agree with me on the you know need for marketing swaps, but they've still bought into it isn't as sexy. And I'm like, we need to change that conversation. Let's make some of this shit I'm getting ready to share with you the sexy thing. In fact, I'm going to read it to you through the lens of how that other item is sexier. Now, listen, there's there's a lot here. So I'm going to go through it pretty quickly. And as you have noticed, what I have been doing lately is offering some of these long listy things as a freebie you can download. So let's just know that these, instead of this, let's try that feminist marketing swaps, just the swaps you're going to be able to download. Okay. Cause it's just simpler and easier that way. Now the coaching behind it and how to find it in your language and how to identify when you are and aren't using it and when you find something that doesn't quite feel right but you don't know what to replace it with, that's what we're coaching on inside my coaching programs. That's what people are currently paying me to help them work through that. But the list that we've gathered so far, it's yours, okay? Because I want you to try it out. I want you to see. And most of this, most of this is like, it's pretty commonly used marketing tactics and what we can do instead. And again, I am, there's no ethical deplete or ethical police, you know, and what some people see as depleting, others may not. So I go with, how does it feel? Not necessarily from your, the seller's point of view, but from the buyer's point of view. How do these things feel, right? And it might feel different to you. You And also consider how it feels for you too. Actually, scratch what I just said. Consider both sides. If, if you are on the selling side of thing, how does it feel? And if you are on the, do, do you like that from the receiving end, right? I had this conversation with one of my one-on-one -on -one clients that it's a very, very standard to do one thing. And yet when she asked me, so should I do that or not? I'm like, you know, does it create more conversions? Yes. But as a consumer, I, I don't like it. And I decided I'm not going to do it anymore. So how do you feel and make your decision from there? I think that's the simplest way to decide if these are for you or not. Right? Okay. So right out of the gate, we're going to go income claim marketing. <laughs> this is where a business coach says, I've made $100,000 in six months and I can teach you how to do it too. This is where a business coach says, my client just sold $10,000 worth of coaching. You can do it too. Right out of the gate, you already know, I've talked about income claim marketing before. I've owned up. I have done this in the past also. And it sucks because it's often not representative. You know, just because one person, well, one person out of how many? The FTC doesn't necessarily like it either. And, and you know what? I'm already starting to see this is going to be a three hour long podcast episode if I go into everything that's wrong with the front end. I've talked a lot about everything that's actually what we want to swap out. So I'm going to spend a little less time on why it's problematic because I've had a lot of conversations around why it's problematic. And I can tell I'm already 20, I'm already like 20 minutes in. <laughs> 
If I start going through all the reason these things are wrong, we're never going to get through the list. <laughs> You're going to be like, like, do you got a long drive? Stick with me. Okay, no. So let's go through. So instead of income claim marketing, which is rarely representative and can make people feel like shit and isn't attainable for everybody, instead, Share income gains of clients, share non-income related wins, share all the measures of success, share the measures of success that mattered more to the client who signed up, share what's typical, share what the average person can assume is going to happen inside the program. Share what is most likely. Now, as a consumer, you and I both know we are trigger happy for she made 10K, sign up here, and I'll teach you how to do it too. We like to buy that shit, man. So remember, from a consumer's point of view, really consider why you keep buying things like that or why we are desired to, right? Like why we have that desire to do that. And if somebody is marketing where this client did this and this client did that. And that is one thing I have always featured. And it was so funny because I remember at the time thinking, none of my other peers are featuring people who didn't like completely knock it out of the park. But I was defining knock it out of the park based only on one factor. And I want you to think about, this doesn't even have to be income claim marketing. Think about all of your marketing, no matter what you are marketing. Share all the stories. Share all of the progress. Share all the things that are what's possible, not just the weight loss or thing, the one singular thing. Share all the varieties of ways. Let people know that there's a full package waiting for them when they work with you. All right, using FOMO, fear of missing out, to which I say, instead of FOMO, which just makes people feel like shit anyway, you know, allow people to be ready in their own time. You know, this is where it's like, yeah, my marketing intensive is going to start on this date. I've got, you know, this many spots left. And it's totally yours if you want it. And if you're not ready yet, I'm going to have another one coming up in eight weeks. You want to get on that wait list for it now? Great, let's do it. It's just totally different than if you don't get in now, right? Selling to pain points. Ah. So selling to pain points, just ugh. we are told this. And there, this is one that a lot, a lot of people have a problem with, selling, not selling to pain points. And what I want to offer to you is understand the pain points but market and sell to empathy points. This is the difference between where you are sucks and I have a way out versus I totally have been there before and here's what's possible. It's the empathizing, like you're with them instead of ahead of them trying to, you know, up on a pedestal. It's just a totally different energy when you have that conversation. It worked for me, it'll work for you. I mean, maybe, good chance it won't. I like, it worked for me. This is what worked for me. Let's find out what worked for you. So simple, right? And this is where you want to share the variety of possibilities, right? But I love the idea of like, how about, this is how it worked for me. Let's, let's you and I figure out how it's going to work for you. You know, any wins that are measured, like traditional capitalist-based success and share wins that matter to the individual clients, Right? You know, like, have you ever seen clients are like this huge win, but it doesn't match what, like, doesn't match the sexy thing you're trying to share. But if a client is excited about that win, that's one of those, like, all the possibilities, right? Have conversations where you understand 
what is underneath the traditional measures of success, where you got to stay until the end to find out and you have to be present to win and you have to have been there. You know, oh, you should have been there. This is more fear of missing out, but it's more like it's in a webinar, right? Listen, people work on different schedules. Allow people access in as many forms as possible. And even if you do have a time limit, let people know what that time limit is right? So this isn't like remove time limits for things because sometimes you need to do that. But also just this whole idea of it's this 45 minute window and it's not going to be recorded. And if you aren't there live, you're not going to get the free thing. Just, just shitty. Don't do that to people. Give people, maybe not going to get many, as many people there live. Yeah, possibly. And also if you are actually connecting with people, if you aren't using all of this schleppy, crappy crap all the time, if you're actually making real human connection, the people who need it will get it. Not offering payments. I know. So not offering payment plans. I know a lot of people are going, ah, I don't know, Amy. So not offering payment plans and or upcharging for those payment plans. So I stand by the offer them and offer them for no added interest. And if you're concerned about you know, extra ad, you know, the admin that's required for following up on payments. Well, just, you know, add an extra hour of your VA into the cost, you know, add an extra hour or two of your VA into the cost to cover that. That's simple, you know, up your price by a hundred bucks and cover it. I'll split that out to a payment plan that makes sense and offer it. Free to paid coach is a thousand dollars or four payments of 250. The marketing intensive is a thousand dollars or two payments of 500 to work with me. One-on-one, it's $10,000 or five payments of 2000 It's simple. I have to do math, first of all. And the reason for this, it allows you to just honor that not everybody has access to the funds and should we be penalizing people because they don't have $10,000 sitting in the bank. Why are we penalizing people? Because they don't have $10,000 in the bank. And the fact that people taking a payment plan and not paying in full must mean they're not as committed is bull shit. That is a lie, lie, lie. Now, have I had clients who asked for special arrangements and required more of me and it was not the best fit? Yes. But that means I didn't do a good job screening them before we ever got to the yes or no, right? This is where we need to pick up on that stuff before we even get there. The desire to have payments is not automatically indicative of not taking the work as seriously. I think the same thing about hiding your pricing, you know, share your pricing, let people be super clear if this is going to work for them or not. Give them the opportunity to work up, give them the opportunity to save. Are we going to get as many people? Maybe, maybe not. But no one likes to be blindsided on that consult call and they have zero idea of what's coming down the line. Let them know up front. Same way with gatekeeping your teachings, right? Like the hiding your prices and gatekeeping your teachings is kind of related because, you know, if you're afraid, well, people will never get on the call. Well, give them good stuff. So gatekeeping your teachings is where you're offering something that's free, but there's like nothing in your freebie. There's nothing useful in your free stuff. It's a big pile of, I knew that. (laughs) I know you know. I know you've downloaded it before, right? If you're going to give stuff away for free, give stuff that's of value. Give away the store. 
right? So it's like me, I'm giving away content that is inside my paid programs so that you can see what's going on inside my paid programs. You can totally listen to this podcast and download these freebies and join my Play More, Sell More group and never pay me a dime and you can absolutely get massive results. And also, if you want my coaching and my expertise, if you want to pay me for the implementation of the work, then here I am. Give away the store. Give people the information. You don't have to give away the full package. But each piece becomes amazing pieces of content and something that they let them piece your body of work together. But give them your body of work. Also, the idea of like really capitalizing on people like you are your own worst enemy, you know, without me, you know, why do you keep shooting yourself in the foot? Just this idea where we really capitalize. This is a little bit more of capitalizing on people's pain points. This is where like really capitalizing on people's shame and disappointment in themselves in order to get them to hire somebody like you can't do this on your own. That's why you have to have me. You should never be anyone's last resort. A terrible way to bring somebody in because think about the energy of that person who's coming in and the chances of their success rate if they have purchased from you with the idea of they are incapable of doing it without somebody else. Again, remember, we're teaching people to be, you know, I'm going to teach you how to be an entrepreneur. I'm not going to force feed you giving you here. Instead, set up nothing about them is the problem. So instead of you're the one that sucks and you need me to help you not suck, it's more like here's everything out there that taught you that anything outside of the norm is a problem. You aren't the problem. Let's figure out how we can help you get to where you want to be. This is, this is that part of we are all functioning and operating within a society that tells us only one thing You know, only one definition matters. And so anybody who doesn't fit that mold feels this way. And the fact that we would use that against people, get them to buy, is like piling shit on shit. Instead, it's like, listen, yeah, there are things we we can change and we can't, you know, we can't change the entire structure, societal structure, but we can change how you operate within it. That's what we mean by helping them see that the problem lies outside and around them and we're going to help equip them with equip them with what they need in order to succeed in there. Same thing I think when we are really limiting the representation in our marketing of you know and I've really been paying more attention to this. I'm still faltering sometimes when if you look at somebody's marketing and it's all everybody looks the same. This is what we're talking about. You want to use representative marketing. There's just no reason not to represent the full variety of all the humans that we have in what you're talking about. Obviously, if you specialize in a certain group of people, but there's still a lot of diversity, even in very specific niches, there's still tons of variety of people coming into that. Not everybody is a carbon copy, so we don't want our marketing to be carbon copy. That's what I'm definitely still learning to get better at because, you know, you have to purposely think outside of yourself, which we are not naturally wired to do. (laughs) Overcoming obstacles to buying. So this is where like we're in the sales call and we are, no matter what their obstacle is, we have a solution for it. 
And if you've had, if you've set up your business so that you are nurturing, you know, you've developed that good nurturing plan that we've talked about before, and you already know what their obstacles are before you get there. So there's nothing to overcome when it comes to the call, right? If you've been, if you haven't been extractive in your marketing up until this point, by the time they get to the call, they already know the price. They already know whether or not you have payments. You know, they already know all of those things. So there's fewer obstacles to overcome in the first place. I say, even in those moments though, like just be curious, but never assume that the best decision for them today is to hire you or they're going to fail or that you're giving up on their dream. Help them see what they need to succeed and leave doorways open. And the same thing where I think, I think it's a real crappy thing when we assume no is a never. You know, being taught not to follow up, don't revisit, don't waste that time. No, keep all doorways open. Leave people better off than how you found them. You never know when people are going to come back around, who they're going to refer because you left them feeling amazing about their decision at that time. I mean, the likelihood of them coming back around does diminish, sure, but you're putting that goodwill out there, right? I mean, all of that is really making the assumption that you're the perfect person, you're the perfect solution for everybody who crosses your path. And that's just not the case. When we're talking about like, but wait, there's more and you're going to get 10K of value for only $1,000. You know, when we do that kind of marketing, we're not selling on the true value of the results, right? Like guys, we're not buying slicers and dicers and we're going to get, you know, if you act now, you get a second one free. That's not what we're doing. Sell on the value of the results available to them. You know, obviously occasional discounts or sales can absolutely be fine. You know, I've recently offered a discount for repeat clients who want to see some of the new work that I've been doing, but that's different than, but wait, there's more. You know, same thing with only so many spots left, grabs yours before they're gone. Instead, just be like, I've already shared this. You know, this is what we have left. And that's round, we're going to go on the wait list for the next round. We're here when you're ready. Thinking about triggering, like intentionally triggering trauma of being left out and of being unsafe. You know, come at sensitive topics with empathy. Em- empathy. Ask yourself, if I read this, how would eight-year-old me feel? And how can I add empathy and safety to this conversation? We also, we don't want to assume that we know how people want to be spoken to or what they relate to. You know, oh, you're a woman, so you must have or want children or you must want to be married, right? You know, ask people how they want to be addressed, addressed, ask what they like to be called, include them in a variety of ways. Don't make assumptions that because they fit into this category, they automatically want this thing over here. That doesn't mean we can't use examples, but let's not make assumptions on people. I think we also need to be careful when we're talking about it's all in your thinking, you know? You know, people want to be seen and they want to be heard and we want to acknowledge their very real experiences because that brings more safety and relationship to the conversation, right? So if somebody's, you know, if if somebody is unsure well, you know, it's all, you know, it's, that's just your thinking, your thinking's holding your back. It's a different way of talking about the, the problem is you, <laughs> you know, share with people, both thinking solutions and practical and tactical solutions, have conversations where you're letting them know that they're seen and they're val- validated and, you know, how do they want to proceed from there? Right. We never want to make assumptions that, you know, if they could just change their thinking, then they would be buying. 
Something new that I've added to the list is violent language, such as, it's time to pull the trigger, beating a dead horse, let's blow this up. We use a lot of language, and we take it for granted that we associate so much of getting what we want with literal violence. Like, guys, start paying attention. It's crazy. Um, So I'm just going to invite you to pay attention to word choice and find other ways to get your message across. Like, I feel like that could be its own list, right? I've also been paying attention to how much language we use, violent in a different way, language that is um, appropriated, a language that is has colonial or language that has colonial or imperial imperialist backgrounds you'd be amazed how many phrases that we use that come from not good history so just being aware of word choice and if something feels you know this is like where it'd be like you know go find your tribe you know that It's appropriating because tribe has never not been used outside of Native American, you know, our, you know, Native, Native people's language. And (laughs) there's just so many other words we could choose from, right? I know a lot of people, especially on that last one, are like, ah, I don't know. I definitely just want you to start just paying attention to how much language you use that is derogatory in some way or violent in some way. And just question whether or not you want to continue to do that. So as you can tell, that list, it's it, we could add so much more. So that's just the start of what we've started to put together inside the rooms that I am in. A lot of these I came up with on my own. A lot of these... You know, some of them came out of specific coaching situations where I was like, oh, let's let's see if we can find another way to achieve the same goal. I think all of it comes down to what feels, what feels like we're putting people on the spot. Like, you got to buy now. Um, you know, it reminds me of like, we've all seen those scenes in movies where the, you know, the, the, the man is proposing to the woman. She doesn't really want to get married, but she's so put on the spot and there's this audience and like, if she says no, then what's going to happen there? And, but she doesn't really want to say yes either. So sometimes she says yes anyways, or if she says no, she's, you know, she fears being ridiculed. Let's not do that to our people in the marketing, in the language that we use right? Let's not um, diminish marginalized communities by trying to sell transformative work. Let's make this work more inclusive. So that's what I have for you for simple marketing swaps. I would love to hear if you want to add anything else or what is a marketing swap you could make for something you're not loving. Like maybe you have something that goes in column A, but you're not entirely sure what should be, what it should replace, right? You know, and I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm excited to see if we can even move forward in some of the swaps. I want these swaps to evolve. I want to learn more and, and have people share, oh, wow, you know, this, I didn't love how this felt here. Oh, interesting. 
how can we achieve the same thing without that feeling? So if you want to download this list, take notes on it, add some more to it, maybe even take my swaps and improve on them, then go to amylatta.com forward slash marketing swaps. And you can download the list and start using it. You might decide you don't want to use all of them. You might decide you just want to focus on one. Use it however you decide to use it. I hope that this conversation has just helped see that it doesn't have to be so heavy. And it really just comes down to how you want to feel and how you want your audience to feel. And that every time we keep improving this, we really are elevating this entire industry. We're elevating online business. We're elevating women in business. We're elevating this work for everybody. So amylatta.com forward slash marketing swaps. And I can't wait to see what you create with this. And I'll talk to you next week. Coach, it's time to sign your first free client, your first paid client, your next client, and to learn how to do it consistently and having a hell of a lot of fun along the way. This is exactly what you're going to do in Free to Paid Coach. It's the only program giving you step-by-step what to do to become a paid coach and step-by-step how to handle the roller coaster emotions that come with doing what you need to do to become a paid coach. If you know you can't not do this life coaching thing, but believing that you can do it, handling rejection, and remembering how to do all of those things shuts you down, the free-to-paid coach community is waiting for you. Find everything that you're looking for inside. It's only $1,000, payments are available, and then you are in forever. Visit amylatta.com forward slash FTPC to join us right now. See you inside. Let's get paid, coach. Thanks so much for listening to the Confident Coaches podcast. I invite you to learn more. Come visit me at amylatta.com. And until next week, let's go do epic stuff.